Amen. Hey, this morning we're in Galatians 3, 10 through 14. If you want to begin to make your way there, Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14. A number of years ago, Valerie and I were on a trip, and uh, we were, happened to be in the city of Cork, and so it's me, Valerie, and Valerie's mom, and, and one of the things we didn't realize when we took this trip is that when we landed in Ireland, our phones are not working. Like, they are a really handy, or not really handy, but just kind of clock, occasionally pull out of your pocket and say, this is what time it is, and then just put it back in your pocket. And that's all they really did for us, is just to have a clock to carry around, but it was a habit, so they stayed in the pocket. But when we make our way to Cork, we're driving around, and we're trying to find where the bed and breakfast that we're supposed to spend that night is. And we're driving around the city, and it's split by a river, and so we're crossing the river back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. Eventually, we just say, listen, we're not getting anywhere like this. We're going to have to ask for some help. We're going to have to get out and walk around. We also couldn't find anywhere to park because it's busy. The city's super busy. So we pull across the river again. We're driving down the road, and I pull over on this little area that looked really convenient for parking. And so we parked and said, okay, y'all get out of the car and walk around and try and find somebody to let us know where the bed and breakfast is. Just ask them. People are super friendly. Ask them, hey, this is what the name of it is. This is what the address is. Where in the world are we supposed to go? And so they get out of the car and they take a few steps away and it hits me. I've got no way of contacting them. Not a big deal. I'm just going to sit right here. So two or three minutes pass, and I'm just kind of sitting there, and all of a sudden, I start hearing all of this honking going on. I mean, just people laying on their horns and honking like crazy and just honking. And I'm just thinking, man, somebody's really rude. Like, somebody needs to do something about all this honking. And then I begin to see all these, like, gestures all around me. And I just think, what in the world is going on? Somebody needs to pay attention to the honking, gesturing man. And then I recognize, moron, you are the one that needs to pay attention to the honking, gesturing man. Apparently, I was in a taxi-only zone. And, and not being a taxi, all the taxi cab drivers wanted me to get the heck out of there. And so I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, I'm just like Justin Milton, instantly sweat-covered, <laughs> right? Instantly covered in sweat, just all over me, because I'm thinking, I've got no way to contact them. And I, I'm already driving on the wrong side of the road, and I'm not really sure where I'm going. And, and so I just think, okay. I won't go very far. And so I pull back onto the road, and I'm driving along, and I'm just thinking, where in the world am I going to go? And, and so I turn around, and, and when I did that, I'd already made a mistake, y'all. Because to turn around meant I had to go to the other side of the river. And so I drove to the other side of the river, and when I got to the other side of the river, I'm trying to keep in mind, I've taken a right, I've, taken, I've gone straight, I've not gone left yet. When I got to the other side of the river, the road was closed to, to go back the most easiest way. And I thought, oh goodness, what am I supposed to do? So I, I, I took a left, and then I took another the right, and then I started heading down this road. And as I'm heading down this road, the only thing I could think in my mind was, I am heading in the wrong direction. I've got to get back there. I don't want to be over here. But a real problem was about this road. And that problem was that this was a one-way road. And so I pulled the car over. And I'm like half on the, the sidewalk and half in the road. And I'm just you know, like I'm sweating profusely. And I'm panicked. And all the lefts and rights and all these things are beginning to leave my mind at breakneck pace. 
And in that moment, I had to make a decision. I could keep going this direction and not have a clue how to get back. Or I could somehow head back in this direction and make my way back to where she was. So in that moment, I channeled Jason Bourne. I threw it in reverse. And I, I touristed it, man. I just headed back this direction as quickly as I could. I swung the car around like this. And I'm honk, honk, honk. And I'm flying back over across the river. I'm whipping back into that taxi spot. And I said, this is my spot. And in this I shall stand and I shall never move again. And then I cried. <laughs> Tears of relief and fear. And I just settled in my mind that if anybody honks and anybody says anything, I'm going to use the best Czech expression I can have and just say, Nevlumim uh, Anglitsky. I don't speak English. And that's the only thing I was going to say. And I was pretty sure that if somebody came up and they did speak Czech, they would know that I didn't actually speak Czech. And so I was doubly covered. And so in that moment, in that moment of recognizing I was headed in the wrong direction and I had to make a course correction if I was going to be headed back to where my wife and my mother-in-law found us. One of the things you'll notice as we look at Galatians chapter 3 verses 10 through 14 today is that the Apostle Paul gives us two ways to live. He says there are two ways to live. We can choose to live by the law or we can choose to live by faith. Let me pray for us before we study God's word together. Father, we thank you that you give us your son Jesus, his sacrifice, that we have an opportunity to be united to you by faith in Jesus, to be led by your spirit. And so God, we are dependent upon your spirit even now to illuminate your word, to apply it to our hearts to lead us in the truth of what it looks like for us to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And so God, we pray that those of us who came into this place heavy laden, we are carrying burdens, we are carrying sin, God, that we would find ourselves laying them down. God, we are carrying doubts, we are carrying disappointments, we are burdened with fear. We are entrapped by our sin, God, that we would submit those to you, that we would lay them down. God, I pray that we would be a people encouraged. And Father, we pray for those who have yet to submit themselves to your word. God, that today, that as they encounter you through the preaching of your word, that they would find themselves led by your spirit, being convicted about sin and righteousness. And that they would cling to the cross of Christ, and in him, they would place their faith and trust. God, we pray that your word would be clear, that your spirit would apply it to our lives, and we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, would you follow along with me? The Apostle Paul writes, the Apostle Paul writes, and he says, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who's, who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. 
So let me just remind you that as we opened up chapter 3 in the book of Galatians, that verses 1 through 5, Paul is making this argument that if we want to have God's spirit, then we have to be dependent upon Jesus through faith. That if we want to have God's spirit, we want to be justified, then in a very real sense, we have to do so by faith to receive his spirit. And he even says to them in verse 3, having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected or now being finished by the flesh? And then in verses 6 through 9, he opens the, the argument and says, listen, do you want to be a part of God's family? And if you want to be a part of God's family, then you can only be a part of God's family through faith. It's not the works of the law. It's not doing the right things. It's not abstaining from the wrong things. If you want to be a part of God's family, you get there. You are held there by faith. And then as we look at 310 through 14 today, as we kind of finish up this three-part series we recognize that what he is calling us to do is to have this recognition and to make this course adjustment over the, over the process of our lives again and again and again. Will I choose to live by faith or will I choose to live by the law? Will I choose to live by faith or will I choose to live according to the law? And he gives us a conclusion for each of these. Look at what he says about the law, verse 10. He says, all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Why? Because he quotes Deuteronomy 27 and 26. He says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all the things written in the book of the law and do them. You notice what he's saying there. He's saying, listen, it, it's not just this, this mindset that you are a, a person who, who needs, a person who is recognizing the works of the law. But look what he says. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. Now, he's bringing in this passage out of Deuteronomy 27. Moses has been leading the Israelites. They've been wandering around in the darkness. They're getting ready to cross over the river. They're getting ready to head into the promised land. And as they do so, Moses sets it up. He says, listen, this is what we're going to have. We're going to have Mount Ebal, and we're going to have Mount Gerizim. And on Mount Ebal, you're going to gather, and you're going to call out curses. On, and on Mount Gerizim, you're going to gather, and you're going to call out blessings. And in the midst of it, the Levites are going to cry out to all those who are on Mount Ebal. And they're going to say, curse be you if you do this. Curse be you if you do this. Curse be you if you do this. And then they're going to turn into Mount Gerizim. They're going to say, bless be you if you do this. And bless be you if you do this. And bless be you if you do this. We recognize at the end of this enacted parable and, and this, this metaphor that he's trying to get them to understand. At the very end of it, in Deuteronomy 27 verse 26, he says, curse be anyone. Who does not confirm the words of the law by doing them. And all of the people said, Amen. So what is he driving at there? He's letting them know that there is a course of understanding and a method of operating if you are going to exist and are going to be faithful to God. So as the Israelites are preparing to cross over and they're preparing to move into the promised land, they knew that this is the method for engaging. That this is the chart uh, forward for us, and this is the way that we need to do these things. And so what is Paul saying? He says, listen, if you don't abide by all the works of the law, if you can't adhere to every single one of them, then the curses of God rest on you. So he's not painting a very flowery way, right? He doesn't say, listen, listen, this works of the law. It's difficult. It's difficult. But it's pretty it's pretty great. It's pretty glorious. No, he's saying, listen, it's difficult. It's nigh impossible. And it's terrible. The curse of God will rest on you if you choose to head down this path. 
So what does he go on to say? Look at verse 11. He says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. In, in James chapter 2 and verse 10, in James 2 and 10, it says, For whoever keeps the law, the whole law but fails in one point, has become accountable for all of it. Well, this is pretty distressing. This idea that if, if, if we're doing really well, we're trying to keep the law, and we're just kind of rolling along thinking, I think I've got this. I think I'm doing pretty well. And James tells us that if you fail in just one aspect of it, the whole thing collapses. And the whole thing is upon you. And Paul in the midst of this is saying, listen, at the end of life, you want to stand before God justified. At the end of life, when you stand before God, when you stand before his throne, at the end of all things, what you want to do is stand there and not say, hey, God, it's Matt. I'm so glad to be here. And I'm certain that you're glad to have me here because I'm a pretty all right guy. You know, I was a pastor in Greenville, Texas for a number of years. And God's like, listen, I've heard this story before. Get to the part about Jesus. And it's like, forget about this bit about Jesus. Did you see how I was doing back in 2020? I mean, everybody else was losing their minds, and I was rolling around and doing pretty good. And God's like, just quit with you and get to Jesus already. I was like, hold on a second. Let's talk about how well I've done with the law and how well I've done adhering to it. He's like, are you talking about, uh, are you talking about this random date in 2015? I'm like, that's the one. I nailed it. March the 1st of 2015, I was like, oh. And the heavens opened, and I swear what I heard you say was, this is my son Matt in him. I'm marginally pleased. And that's what I'm putting my hope on. He's like, I remember that. That wasn't me. That was the drunk guy walking past you. And that was just a really weird car horn. And that just happens to be one of those Texas moments where it's raining in the clouds and you have the sun all at the same time. Matt, that's a Texas phenomenon. And anybody around you could have had the same experience. And I'm like, dang it. For six years, I've been on this March the 1st, 2015 thing. He says, if you want to stand before God and be justified, you can never get there by the law. Luther said it this way. He says, trying to be justified by the law is like counting money out of an empty purse, eating and drinking from an empty dish and cup, looking for strength and riches where there is nothing but weakness and poverty, laying a burden on someone who is already oppressed to the point of collapse. Or trying to spend a hundred gold pieces and not even having a pittance. It's impossible. It's impossible. We cannot attain righteousness, justification before God by the law. So look at what he does. He's, Paul's going to put living by faith and living by the law side by side in the latter half of 11 and into verse 12. Quoting Habakkuk 2 and 4. He says, for the righteous shall live by faith. Now, the first time I read this, I had this understanding and I was looking at it. And, and I really thought that the point that he was making there is that the course and the trajectory of my life from this point of when I come to faith over the course of my life shall be lived by faith. And I think that that's true in a certain sense. But the point that he's making there isn't that when I wake up on Monday, when I wake up tomorrow on the 19th of July, that in that moment I'm going to be living by faith. The point in this is that if what he is talking about is our future is set by faith. That our future is set by faith. Do you see the difference there? Do you see the point that he's making there and the difference that he's getting into? He says, you shall live in eternity by faith. Now this changes everything. 
it changes everything when I say that I'm going to live in eternity by faith. Why? Because I have the security of resting and trusting that my eternity is all the way taken care of. Now, if I know that my eternity is all the way taken care of, and if I know that eternity, I'm going to be justified, and then in eternity, I'm going to be able to live faithfully with God forever, then Monday's going to be different. Then Tuesday's going to be different. Not because I'm going to wake up with a burden that says, I have to make this different, but because I wake up with the assurance and the promise that my future is established and steadfast. This changes how I live in the present. This changes how I engage with my wife. And this changes how you engage with your boss. And this changes how you engage with your children. Because your hope and your trust and your moving forward and the things you look forward to aren't based on how well I will do tomorrow. They're based on the settled nature of the future. They're based on the settled nature of the future. He says the righteous... Those justified by God, those that God looks at and says, I see the righteousness, I see the holiness of my son when I look at D. I see the holiness of my son when I look at Jesse. I see the holiness of my son when I look at Jeff. I see the holiness of my son when I look at Philip. Those that that is true for, they are living according to the faith promise that they will rest with God forever. And this is what we all want and need. I don't want to rest and trust in the ability and the surefire nature of my faith and my ability to do enough of the right things and my ability to not do enough of the wrong things. I want to rest and trust in Christ in his sufficiency. Amen? So he goes on, he says, listen to this. He says, the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. The law gives us a series of do this, don't do this. It doesn't take faith to adhere to the law. And he says, the one who chooses to live according to the law, the one who does this shall live by them. Quoting out of Leviticus 18 and 5. And then when he says that you're going to live by them, he says at the end of all these things, this is what you're going to be measured by. You're going to be measured according to these 248 positive statements and these 365 negative statements contained in the law. The 613 laws contained within the Torah. You're going to be measured against them. That if over the course of your life, if you say that, listen, faith in Jesus just sounds like something so far out of my control, so far out of my ability to understand, and faith in Jesus really sounds like me saying, I can't do this, but I feel like I can do the 613 things right. If you say this, recognize this, you will be measured against your ability to adhere to it. You can live by faith, or you can live by the law. You can live by faith or you can live by the law. In the midst of this, in the midst of this, we recognize that this this idea and what it looks to live by faith. Luther again, Luther again talking about faith. He says, faith apprendeth nothing else but the precious jewel of Christ Jesus. Christ is the bread of life. Faith feeds upon him. Christ is lifted up on the cross and faith gazes at him. Faith calls us out of ourselves and into dependence upon Jesus. But in the midst of living this life, we are plagued with doubt and duty. Right? In the midst of so if you surrender your life to Christ and you say, listen, listen, pastor, I am living unto Christ. 
Over the course of your life, you're going to find yourself plagued by any number of things that are going to see you moving back into dependency upon the law. Moving into dependency upon the law. You're going to have these doubts. You're going to have these things that creep up into your mind. And there's going to go something along the lines of this. I see this sin in my life. I'm having this sin pointed out in my life. I'm having these doubts about ultimate truths in my life. A real Christian wouldn't have these. Am I I a real Christian? And the corrective for too many of us in this is to say, I need to be baptized again. The corrective for too many of us in this is I need to go to church more often. The corrective for too many of us in this is I need to read my Bible more. The corrective for too many of us in this is I need to do this, I need to do this, I need to do this. And the list of things goes on and on and on and again. And what we're trying to do is to assuage our doubts. I want to quiet them and I want them to go away. Listen, the answer to quieting the doubts in your heart is not you doing more. Maybe doubt's not your issue. Maybe it's this sense that, that you are this person who just gets stuff done. You're a person who just gets stuff done, and so really duty or, or, or just having these things compel you forward. And faith to you just it really feels a whole lot like putting off your work onto somebody else. And you're like, listen, I don't want to put my work off onto somebody else. Jesus has enough to do. Like, I have kids. He needs to worry with them. But I can, I can take this upon myself, and I, and, I, and I can do this. And so what I want to do is I want to create the surety of my faith based upon right actions over the course of my life. I want to base the surety of my faith. I want to base the opinions. I want others' opinions of me to validate my faith. And so I want to find myself doing the right things over and over and over again. And they really become a lot of the same things. It's doing things that you know to be honorable. It's doing things that you know to be right. But you see, the motivation in, in this isn't, I am absolutely loved and adored by the creator God of the universe. And I want to serve him faithfully out of a response of the love that he has for me and love back to him. You see, that's not the response in, in many of our hearts. It's not, I want to love and follow the Lord and I want to serve him out of a response to that. I want to do the right thing because I'm I'm pretty sure that's just what's expected of me. And I'll tell you, that's tiring. That is exhausting. And that'll see you on this treadmill of life and striving and toiling. And what that's leading you to do is to be dependent upon yourself. Not dependent upon Jesus. And so the answer to both doubt and duty... The answer to doubt and responsibility is full faith and trust in Jesus. The righteous shall live by faith. So Paul gives us this response in verse 13. He gives us this answer. He says we are redeemed. We are won back. We are ransomed. We are purchased back from the enemy. How? He says he has redeemed us from the curse, the curse of the law, the curse of death, the curse of sin. By becoming a curse for us. Do you begin to get a sense of God's love for you? Do you begin to get a sense of the overwhelming nature of that love? It's not that God saw you stranded out on, on the interstate and, and you're there and you're walking along with this gas can. He says, listen, I'll give you a gallon. 
This is going to help you limp along to Pilate. No, he comes along and he says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. He says, you can do nothing and of yourself. And so he sent his son to become the curse for us. In a very real sense, Jesus took upon himself all of your waywardness, all of your doubts, all of your disbelief, all of our compunction and driving towards duty and responsibility. And he said, I will take upon myself the wrath due them in my body. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse by becoming the curse for us. And quoting again from Deuteronomy, and quoting again from Deuteronomy in chapter 21, we read these words out of 21 and 21. In 22, he says, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death and you have hanged him on a tree, his body shall not remain on the tree at night, but you shall bury him in the same day for a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. A cursed man is, a hanged man is cursed by God. So what are they doing? In the midst of this, they found somebody that had committed a crime that was heinous enough that he is or she is worthy to be put to death. And then so they take this person and so they take them and they say, listen, they're a horrible person. They're a murderer. They're a horrible person. They've been engaging in these crimes. They are worthy of death. Everybody agrees they're worthy of death. So what we want to do is to make their body a public spectacle. I want everybody that walks by to see their body hanging on this this tree and to look at them and to say I don't want to be like them because they are cursed by God they are stricken by God they are afflicted by God their penalty and punishment is on them and everybody else that sees it says I don't want to be like them this is what Jesus this is what Jesus recognizing this, that that God in his wisdom instructed the writers of scripture to write down and instructed their practices to be directed and say, anyone who's hanged on a tree is cursed by God. This is what Jesus did. So when the Romans began to practice execution by crucifixion and, and, and they were headed down this direction and they're given an option, do we choose Barabbas or do we choose Jesus? Who are we going to set free? They said, give us Barabbas. And they said, Jesus is going to be crucified. We want Jesus to hang on the tree. So when he's hanging on that cross and he's bearing all of the curse of God on that cross, it is the universe crying out, he is cursed. He's afflicted. And the curse he wore on himself isn't some remote aspect. It's not something far and removed from me. The curses he wore on that cross are my sin. Y'all, at the beginning of the service, when Jesse was leading us in a time of confession, and you're confessing these sins back to God, and you're saying, God, forgive me for being a liar. God, forgive me for being a doubter. And whatever sins that came to your mind in that moment, Jesus is hanging on that cross and he is bearing those sins. 2,000 years ago, bearing those sins on his body. And what he's calling out for and what God desires in that moment is not that you would look at those sins that he's carrying on his body and say, I am remorseful, but that you would look at those sins that he's carrying on his body and say, I'm going to eschew the law. I'm going to follow faith. I'm going to push off and I'm not going to follow the works of the law. I'm going to push off and I'm not going to follow these things that are going to lead me into greater cursing. I'm going to follow these things and these things alone because they are the path that leads 
to life. It says, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, might come to you and might come to me, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Isaiah 44 and 3 speaks of this promise. He says, for I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessings upon your descendants. This whole section has spoken about Abram, about Abraham. Back in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3, he said, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, and you will be a blessing to the nations. The way that Abraham becomes a blessing to the nations is by God's son taking upon his body our curse. By giving you and I a way of being connected to God by faith, through Jesus, and then Jesus sending his spirit to guide us over the course of our life. Listen, if you're a Christian in here, you have God's spirit dwelling in you, and his spirit is testifying to you and leading you in paths of righteousness. God is not measuring you according to doing right and according to not doing wrong. He is measuring you leading you in accordance with the faithfulness displayed by Jesus. Jesus took upon himself all of the curse for you. There is no more sin for you. Romans 8.1 says, therefore there is no condemnation for all those who are in Christ. You are a new creation. He has made you alive in Jesus. And there's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Listen, if you're in here, if you're listening to this and you do not know Jesus, and you're seeking to be a good person, you're seeking to be a right person, you're seeking to be a person who just kind of maintains the status quo. And you're wondering how all of this is working out and what does all of this mean for you? Bible gives us two choices in the midst of this. You can choose to live by faith in Jesus, or you can choose essentially to live by faith in you. And if you, over the course of your life, choose to live by faith in you, faith in your ability, faith in your actions, then you will be judged according to your actions. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3 and 23, that all have sinned, that, listen, every single one of us fails, every single one of us dishonors God, and that the wages of our sin, the judgment, the payment at the end of our lives is death and being removed from God if we are dependent upon ourselves. But that doesn't have to be your story. And that doesn't have to be your life. Listen, in just a couple of moments, we're going to have uh, two different couples come and stand down here. And in that time, if that is you, and you have been living life according to your own ability, and you want to come and confess sin, and you want to come and receive faith in Jesus, you're welcome to come forward and to pray with one of these couples down here. And let us be those who, when given the option, that if we should live by faith or live by the law, that we would be those who choose to live by faith.
hey, let me pray for us. Let me ask the Miltons to come stand down on this side and the Living Goods to come and stand down on this side. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word, for its clarity, for its conviction. God, I pray that you would continue to live in our hearts, that you would guide us in all wisdom. God, that we would submit ourselves to you in all things. Father, you alone are right and righteous. And so would you guide us by faith? Would you lead us to trust in you more each day? Father, we submit these things to you in Christ's name. Amen.